Back in October of 2021, we launched two episodes on the EMEA market, which covered some of the trends and changes in the European, Middle East, and Africa markets. And while we covered a lot of aspects of the Africa market in those episodes, given how large and diverse the continent of Africa is, and how much potential there is for absorbent hygiene producers, we thought it would be helpful for all of you if we were to go more in-depth on this promising market. Africa is over 1.2 billion people spread across 54 countries. And within those 54 countries, there are different cultures, languages, consumer preferences, and expectations. In fact, it is estimated that there are over 1,000 languages spoken across Africa, and at least 75 of those languages have more than a million speakers. And in the hygiene market itself, the demand for absorbent hygiene products is expected to grow to 60.7 billion units by 2025, which is a 40% growth over figures from 2020. So with that much diversity in a market where there is also so much potential, it is critical that you have a great understanding of the market if you want to enter it or continue to find success. And luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're speaking with Raymond Chimandamba. Raymond has been in the absorbent hygiene industry for over 10 years and has been involved in both the material supply side and the product production side of the industry, and even spent time running his own product distribution business covering several countries in Africa. So, he clearly has a lot of experience in the market and has done the legwork to get to know the market and the diverse group of consumers within it. Over the next 40 minutes, Raymond will start us off in part one by sharing where the market is now when it comes to size and growth potential, demographic changes and population growth, and cover some of the major consumer trends before touching on some of the major consumer preferences and even sharing insights on the informal economy in Africa in part two. He'll be sharing some of these insights that he's picked up over the last 10 years, also that you too can find success in the Africa market. Joining me today to discuss the Africa market is Raymond Chimandamba. Uh, Raymond, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Jack. I'm happy to be here. And we're very happy to have you. So as we do with, with all of our guests, I always like to start by having our guests introduce themselves and their background in the industry. So Raymond, can you introduce yourself and tell our audience uh, your experience in the industry? Yes, so my initial exposure to absorbent hygiene and nano-ovens was in 2011 when I joined a nano-ovens manufacturer in South Africa. And it was just a very short stint, but I really learned a lot and uh, the exposure opened up the world to me of what opportunity existed in, for example, quality diapers for within the Africa region, pretty much. And uh, after that short stint, I actually then went off to start my own diaper distribution business in uh, Zimbabwe, uh, which I ran for about three and a half years, after which I came back to corporate uh, in South Africa in 2014. And... Um, in that time, I started writing about my experiences uh, in the when I was running my diaper business, 
And uh, that then gave me more and more exposure to the industry. And ever since then, I've been more and more involved and I've been a speaker at some of the conferences um, within the industry. And yeah, that's basically how I got into the industry. And I continue to update my uh, information and data, et cetera. And uh, I really continue learning a lot about the industry. And yeah, it's been a wonderful journey uh, being involved in nano ovens, uh, I must say, and a bit great support from a lot of the industry peers and, and all that. So, and I'm enjoying the industry very much. Great. Yeah. So certainly uh, a lot of experience and I'm sure you've seen a lot of, a lot of change in that time. Very true. Very true. And some of the changes are happening quite fast uh, and very interesting changes are happening, especially in our part of the world. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So I also like to ask all of our guests to tell us what they find most interesting or most exciting about working in the industry. So can you share with us that? Yeah, what I've found really, really interesting and, and the changes is how some of the sort of established traditional brands within the industry, which have been, for, for example, Pampers and Haggis, how they're being sort of replaced in some markets by other brands. Uh, that's been quite interesting to watch. I mean, Pampers, for example, has been so established in the market that in a lot of countries you find consumers actually call diapers pampers. Uh, okay. I would like those pampers over there, you know, the, the blue ones or whatever color that is actually not pampers the brand at all. You know, that's how established they've been. And also what has been interesting is how the pens are really gradually sort of uh, coming in to become a lot more mainstream than before. Yeah, and a whole lot of other interesting changes. But those two for me are, are quite uh, interesting changes that I've been watching closely, uh, you know, over the past uh, couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I think we've definitely seen seen a lot of that. I mean, obviously, the big multinational players still have a, a huge, you know, dominant share of the market, uh, you know, and, and they, they're producing great products. But it is really interesting to see some of these these smaller, whether they be regional or even local brands, really start to take over. But yeah, as you mentioned, you kind of see the uh, the influence those those big multinational players and their brands have had by by the by the way people refer to them in the market. True, very true. So as I mentioned, you are here to share your your insights and your experiences in in the Africa market. So first, I think as we do with a lot of our market episodes, it would be great to kind of start with an overview of, of the market and particularly the market size. So can you share a little bit about the, the current size and, and potential of the Africa market? So in terms of market size, the region versus the rest of the world, one can see that globally in 2020, absorbent hygiene products, there was 691 billion units sold. And only 6.2% of that was actually sold in Africa, uh, which was a little over 43 billion units, uh, as it were. And period products actually make the largest portion of that market. And um, in terms of absolute numbers, it was about 29 billion units, which make up 67% of all products, absorbent hygiene products sold in Africa. While baby diapers and pens make up almost 33%, which in, uh, in numbers is 14 billion units. And adult INCO is um, the smallest contributor at 0.5% uh, or 200 million products. But uh, by 2025, Africa market is expected to grow to 60 billion uh, units, and uh, it, it will grow to about 8% of the global total. That is actually a 40% increase over the 2020 numbers. 
and um, baby diapers and nappies will, will account for about 21 billion products and, and 35%. So also growth uh, in, that, in that segment. And the period products will account for 39.2 billion to 64 to 64.5%. And adult income will grow to 400 million products, and which will be 0.6%. So growth that is visible across all categories, uh, as it were, in, by 2025. Yeah, yeah, it was cooked, you know, that for anywhere from, you know, 35 to 40% growth is definitely, definitely significant. And, you know, it just shows the definitely the potential of the market there that there's still, you know, despite a, a healthy amount of penetration. I mean, I think by 2025, that that 60.7 billion units is, I believe, roughly what the US is at now. Per year, and so you know, definitely a lot of potential there. But we we know that the, the population of Africa is significantly larger than the population of the U.S. itself, and so definitely a lot of room for for growth there still. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that. So, can you tell us a little bit about the potential of the market and and how it is evolving, particularly as it, as it pertains to to you know the the market size potential as also as well as just demographics. So basically. As you rightly um, mentioned, generally there is more and more awareness of, say, baby diapers, for example, as, as an alternative to cloth diapers. And um, one observes that some of the changes are actually caused by economic developments within the region. To give you an example, urbanization, for example, is happening at such a fast pace that municipal services, for example, are not able to keep up. And as a result, sometimes uh, whether electricity or water can actually be rationed. So there are gaps within a day when consumers do not have, say, power, do not have water. And all those things you need quite urgently and, and, and quite importantly if you're using cloth diapers, for example. So it automatically forces consumers to go for disposable products because then you don't have to worry about washing or, or, or keeping them stain-free and, and all those kinds of challenges. So that has also helped to increase the, the penetration and, of course, the, the, the awareness for baby diapers. Also, as the middle class is growing within the region, it means more and more mothers are going to work. And as a result, they really prefer a good night's sleep. And at the same time, they want to be confident that the baby, even when they pass urine, they will not be sort of wet for many hours or, or, or things like that. So a good quality product, uh, diaper product, of course, can achieve that a lot better than a cloth diaper would do. So all those factors have uh, sort of uh, increased the use of baby diapers, as well as the awareness amongst the consumers. We've seen the same thing happening in India, and we've seen the same in, in Africa. And then, of course, for the categories like feminine hygiene, you find it's a product that is used by the one half of the population at a cost and sometimes not a small cost, and it automatically uh, introduces socioeconomic issues in the sense that one part of the population has to use this product, but it's expensive, you know. So one has also observed that a lot of the NGOs have been lobbying to, to get the cost of uh, uh, FMK products reduced, and uh, in a lot of places there's actually good success happening there. Uh, and we are observing that a lot of governments in certain countries in, in, in South Africa, in Zimbabwe, Tanzania, and a lot of other countries, the VAT on the cost of sanitary pads, of course, is being removed. And that is having the effect, of, obviously, of growing the category. 
and supporting the growth of the category, of course. And uh, penetration is growing, but uh, factors like what I've just mentioned we is likely to actually increase the awareness and, of course, also increase penetration and hence, um, ultimately, the growth of that category. And in terms of adult diapers, with the wave of HIV and AIDS that also sort of has happened in the last two decades, actually, in a sense, increased the awareness of the use of adult diapers and just the sheer convenience that it offers the caregiver as well as the user is really uh, sort of raised, you know, and increased the use of adult diapers. And of course, there have been also some NGOs that were also assisting the populations by offering this at a cheaper price or subsidized price or even for free. And as a result, the adult diapers category has also grown for that reason. And um, yeah, those are some of the relationship between, you know, the socioeconomic factors and the the, the, the population, the demographic and consumers that one observes. Yeah, that, that makes sense. One thing that you mentioned that really stuck out to me was the transition from the cloth diapers to the disposable diapers. And, you know, sometimes you mentioned that it, it is a certainly a convenience thing, but also a, a necessary transition to make if there are... Um, you know, shortcomings in, you know, the the sanitation department or in, in access to water or electricity. As you said, you you need those things to be able to to properly wash a cloth diaper. So I thought that was really interesting that that, that would drive the um, the adoption there from not only a convenience standpoint, from but from a necessity standpoint for mothers to be able to properly care for and, you know, clean up after after their babies. True. Very true. I guess even when mothers also make the comparison between washing and ironing and when you then factor in the washing powder, the ironing and, you know, and cost of electricity is also not, not the cheapest in the region. So, so, so even without those other factors, there's a whole lot of factors that really sort of encourage the consumer towards the disposable diapers uh, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's, sometimes it's really hard to argue with, with that convenience. <laughs> true, true. So I, I want to dive a little deeper into some of the like demographic and you know population statistics of the region as I, I think you know there as many people would know that Africa is one of the still growing regions and and you know and they, they have a significant growth rate. So I was wondering if you could touch a little bit on on things like uh, population growth and and GDP and birth rates uh, for for the region. Right. So the current estimated population for Africa is around 1.4 billion people and is expected to grow to about 1.5 billion by 2025. And of the African countries, we find the largest countries by population is Nigeria, uh, followed by Ethiopia, then Egypt, then DRC, Tanzania, and then you have South Africa. But um, you'll find that the population growth, for example, is expected to grow between 2 and 4% per year from between now and 2025. And a few more of the countries, about 10 of them, are actually growing between 1% and 2% per year. But a small, small minority, altogether about five countries, is actually growing at um, less than 1% per year. But in terms of disposable incomes and, and GDPs, if we were to rank them, they would basically be sort of Nigeria at the top, followed by Ethiopia, then Egypt and DRC, in, in, in Congo, South Africa, as, as I've said. But you find other smaller markets like, say, Botswana, Rwanda, and while the small populations, but the disposable incomes in those markets is actually growing quite fast. And of course, you also have Kenya, 
which in terms of population size is fairly big. Uh, and at the same time, the economy is growing quite well. So they definitely also fall within some of the, the top markets. But in terms of birth rates and, and, and aging populations, you'll find while Africa's birth rate is is has been decreasing by sort of 1.2% every year for the last few years, it's still higher compared to other countries and regions. Now, when you look at the U.S., for example, it's U.S. growth rate is 12 per, per, per thousand in 2022, for example. In Latin America, is about 16.5. EU is at 9.5. In China, at 7.5, for example. So despite Africa's slowing birth rates, you find it is still very high compared to the rest of the world. And um, by far, Africa still actually has the youngest population because only 5.6 of Africa's population is actually uh, sort of age 60 or older in 2020. And by Whereas compared to the U.S., for example, 23% of, of, of North America actually is above 60 and, and it's really in double digits for every other uh, you know, region in the world. So though that makes for very interesting comparisons uh, when you compare Africa's uh, population versus others. Yeah, absolutely. With such a, a, young, a young population and as we'll, we'll talk about here, such a technologically growing population and, and the access to technology growing, it's certainly driving... A lot of interesting trends, and as you said, you know it, it's having an impact on the market potential from a birth rate standpoint, also from a, the menstrual health or period product standpoint, and and having customers there that want access to these products and are demanding them. And you know, as you said, with such a small portion of the population being 60 or older, you know, no surprise that the adult incontinence market isn't a very big one there. But I, that's going to be growing too, as we as you mentioned earlier, and. It's only going to go up from there as more of this young population starts to, to age into these more o- older groups of people. Correct. So I wonder, before we go a little further, I wanted to have you touch on user habits, as, as I alluded to a little bit. I hear a lot about the kind of the technology access for, for many in Africa, and I know that's a, a focus of many, many countries and companies there. Um, but just wondering where where you're seeing some of the the big trends in as far as user habits go. So the impact of technology is actually quite visible in uh, in terms of user habits and and consumer habits in the sense that the shift that we're seeing uh, in other parts of the world, where for example, consumers are moving more and more to uh, internet uh, shopping and online shopping, etc., and taking deliveries at home and that sort of trend is definitely also happening. Uh, e-commerce is also taking uh, shape quite well in Africa, although from a much lower base. And there's a close link between countries with higher levels of um, internet penetration, like Nigeria, Egypt, Kenya, and South Africa. That's where we're seeing a lot more of uh, online shopping. And of course, it's quite obvious from that, uh, how it relates to, to, to internet penetration. And also, as um, internet access becomes more prevalent, driven by reduced cost of data, for example, and higher and higher availability of smartphones and issues like that, is becoming very visible that a lot more and more consumers are actually moving towards e-commerce, which in our part of the world is very much uh, more m-commerce, as in mobile commerce, because a lot of the internet access is actually from mobile devices versus um, the rest of the world or maybe even maybe the West where internet access is probably a lot more maybe from laptops and computers and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, so, so, so those are some of the user habits that one observes and also the impact of, of technology. And as I've mentioned earlier, I do anticipate that the removal of VAT on Femke products will definitely also impact the growth of the segment. And I do foresee some premiumization of, of sanitary pads as the population moves from uh, maxi pads and more and more to, to maybe ultra thin. Ultra thin Femke products exist in the market, but they still very much a small, much smaller part of the market. And the price differential between maxi and, and ultra thin, of course, is significant. And that is also what, what is determining why maxi is also much bigger. But um, product benefits and product features like wings, etc., are definitely actually what consumers also look for in terms of Femke products uh, because they, they also do address a, one of the key benefits consumers you know look for like uh, staying in place etc so yeah uh, one does observe those those, those type of, of differences versus you know the, the rest of the world and of course in in our part of the world uh, one observes as well that how the product is presented very much impacts you know consumer behaviors because you find if a product is available in smaller packs, so reducing the cost of purchase, the outlay purchase, so that the consumer is actually happier to buy smaller packs and buying weekly, or even if they have to buy, even buy daily, buy three diapers per day, or rather five diapers at a time, is still better than having to buy in bulk at a higher sort of cash outlay at any given time. So all those points you find really sort of um, interact quite interestingly with consumer behavior uh, and how it relates to affordability and entry levels in each category and uh, those kinds of factors. And um, the issue of whether bulk or individually wrapped and all those, those, those factors is visible both within a sort of baby diapers as well as feminine hygiene products as well. I noticed in, in India when Unisham launched sort of pens in that market, they actually had them in singles. They even had them in five packs across all sizes. All those factors, the way I see it, I think very much helped to drive this uh, penetration for pens. And in the same way, I do see that smaller packs and then ability to break bulk for whether diapers or sanitary pads definitely positively influences consumer behavior in terms of getting consumers to adopt the particular products in a in a particular category and, and, and those sort of things, yeah. Yeah, I think that we had another guest, someone from Bostic here uh, mentioned that uh, the preference towards smaller smaller packs or smaller quantities of products. And I think that that is that's just so interesting to me. It makes, it makes perfect sense, you know, from an economic standpoint, but just something that I hadn't really been exposed to obviously here in the US you can you know you can really only buy in you know larger pack quantities and and you know a lot of consumers prefer to buy in that that bulk quantities but you know I I think that that need and that consumer expectation in Africa is just super interesting and uh, obviously you know very different from what you're going to see as I already mentioned in in the US or other countries um, just one of the one of the many differences on on approach that a producer would have to take in order to succeed in the market definitely definitely so with those those user habits that you mentioned you mentioned the the uh, obviously the Online shopping versus brick and mortar, and the the, um, the growing internet access and and m commerce. I had never heard that before. I think that's such a great a great phrase. 
I'll definitely be using that more as well as the, the trend towards the ultra thin and fem care products or menstrual health products with, uh, with more features. And then as you just mentioned, the, the quantities, what are the results of this? Like, what is the impact of the market, you know, the market players, particularly, you know, manufacturers? Are seeing a lot of the sort of key players within the absorbent hygiene space definitely taking more and more interest in the region. So as we mentioned earlier, traditionally it's always been the long-established players, KC and PNG, very much dominating the market. But uh, we're beginning to see, for example, Hyatt moving into Nigeria in, in the last couple of years and, and, and actually then taking number one position in that market and actually starting off with uh, you know importation and, and, and distribution, but uh, ending up with investing a whole hundred million dollars to build a plant. Casey has always been in that market, but they've been more on an import model and uh, through uh, distribution partners. But they have recently commissioned their high-speed line in Nigeria, instead of the art and all the rest of it, which you would expect of, of, of that, that, that size of player. So that is happening. And we've also seen Ontex put in a high-speed line in, in the second Africa's second biggest market by population in Ethiopia um, a few years ago. And uh, one can also tell that uh, they're certainly doing quite well. Basically, they, 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 about 40% of the, the, the products, I believe, are for local market. And, you know, the, the balance of that is, is for export. And even in terms of raw materials suppliers, we've seen how PF Nanovins has put up a plant in Egypt and also has a plant in, in, in South Africa. Also, Plasomina's 100, uh, you know, million dollars investment uh, to, to put up that plant. And in this year, uh, PF Nanovins are actually uh, expanding that plant, which shows definitely that there is um, growth in the, seg- in the category and the, the segment, as it were. Spancam, also a player in South Africa. But while they've been in Nanovins, but in other, for other applications like agriculture and, and, and more industrial, etc., they definitely have in the last years moved into absorbent hygiene. And of course, when, when COVID happened, they were definitely also supplying filtration uh, applications for the market. But yeah, they've also increased their plant in South Africa to cater for the growth that is uh, clearly happening. So yeah, there's definitely interest in Africa from other, other players. And we've also seen Sunda, uh, which is a very aggressive player um, that, that is also entering the market. In Africa, they've built uh, East Africa's biggest absorbent hygiene plant uh, in, in just outside Nairobi. They've also built a factory in Ghana. And you can tell a very obvious and clear strategy there to secure the, the West African sub-region and uh, the East African sub-region as well. And, um, you know, from those two markets, they definitely service in the rest of the region and hence the rest of the economic block in ECOWAS as well as in, in, in Comesa. So it's quite interesting to see. And private labels are also, you know, quite growing segment within the market. And there are um, local players that are, that are taking up that space. Obviously, you know, the KCNPG do not do you know, uh, private labels, but um, the growth of the segment means that the other opportunities for the retailers with their own private labels is also growing. So yeah, that's also quite um, quite interesting to see. In South Africa alone, the two family-owned businesses that are actually quite big on the private label side, Cleopatra Products and Little Masters, 
that have really established themselves quite quite nicely in the private label space. And um, what I also find interesting is how the traditional players that we have seen over the years, KC and PNG, have always had two-pronged strategy to have a sort of low-end product and other high-end offering. And all the new players that have come in have actually kept that formula uh, pretty much uh, because even Sunda in Kenya with their soft care brand, they do have a product for the lower end and another more premium product, yeah, which is a strategy that has been a very successful strategy used by, by Huggies and Pampers in the market. And yeah, I'm quite fascinated to see that it's a winning formula. Even the new players have actually kept it going. Yeah, I guess if you know you see you see two brands like P and G and Kimberly Clark have have success in the region. No surprise that people would kind of uh, maybe imitate or, or copy that at least that strategy. And obviously, as you said, some of the brands are tweaking it a bit to make it their own. But yeah, kind of that old adage: if it's not broke, don't don't fix it. It's true. Very true. Very true. <laughs> so you know, you've talked about the growth and some of the success that brands are having, but Obviously, that you know, it doesn't come without challenges. You know, competition is a challenge for sure, but certainly other other challenges in the region with that growing competition. So, I was wondering if you could talk about the challenges that you're seeing article producers potentially face, as well as as their suppliers in the industry. Yeah. So, one of the key challenges in the region, generally, it is fairly tough to operate in Africa. Logistics is a challenge. Even operating a factory is a challenge. For example, in Nigeria, as well as in Ethiopia, one of the key challenges any manufacturer will face, and those, of course, are key markets absorbent hygiene products, is um, power, for example. You're running a, a very sophisticated equipment, highly, highly expensive equipment, and uh, obviously quite sensitive, You know, but you will have power outages quite often, and then you have to switch to generator and, and, and those kinds of challenges. And of course, over and above that, you have challenges for access to foreign currency. A lot of the, the raw materials for absorbent hygiene products are imported. And, and of course, it means one has to pay euros or dollars mainly you know, to, to, to bring them in. And access to those foreign currency, of course, in some cases, you have uh, reserve bank controls and, and, and all sorts of other challenges. And sometimes just Forex not being available, simple as that. And that is a reality in both Nigeria and, and Ethiopia. But at the same time, for whoever can find a way around these challenges, those are big markets and there's big growth opportunities uh, to be had. So, yeah, the region does come with its challenges. But for companies that um, are brave enough to want to get in, the rewards are visible. And we have seen companies that have won. We've seen companies that have turned back and given up. And yeah, I guess there's a name for it. It's called business, you know. <laughs> and um, there are also some <laughs> reg regulatory challenges as well. I know in, in Nigeria, for example, the National Agency for Food and Drugs Administration, for example, it's called NAFDAC, National Agency for Food and Drug Administration and Control. They, they manage all food-related products, all the drug-related products, and of course, you know, absorbent hygiene products being products that, that are going to work on baby skins and also in, in sensitive parts of bodies and etc. are also very, you know, strongly governed and they have to be registered. And that process, you know, can be, you know, quite a cumbersome one. But yeah, I guess it's also part of 
protecting the consumer. And I think you have it everywhere else in, in the world, as it were. So, yeah, those kinds of challenges to deal with. But, yeah, for the companies and organizations that can take on the challenge, the rewards definitely exist. Yeah, yeah. As you said, I mean, several several players have already been succeeding there. You're seeing more more growth there. And, um, you know, it sounds like if, you, if you're able to work through some of those challenges, as you said, you can you can find the success. And there there's a reason that so much investment is happening there. Obviously, there's there's certainly the potential and, and companies are figuring out how to, you know, work through some of the challenges or even these regulations that you mentioned and and find success. So obviously it's doable and companies are doing that. And, you know, that's obviously that's great to see. And as you, you alluded to before, I mean, I have to imagine some of the uh, suppliers to these producers, you know, the, the non-woven suppliers or, or some of these other materials that are going into the AHP products, they're willing to invest and that has to give them a leg up, particularly as you mentioned, some of those importing challenges and foreign exchange challenges. You know, if you're in the country already and, and able to source things locally, uh, that has to give you a big advantage there. Very true, very true. So there you have it. For those of you that are looking to start or grow your business in the Africa market, looking to retain the share you already have, or just curious about the market overall, you now have a good starting point to understand where the market stands in regards to size and potential, what some of the major consumer habits are, and how manufacturers and suppliers are reacting to all of the changes. On our next episode, continue our conversation with Raymond as he shares more of his insights on the Africa market, this time on the different consumer trends and expectations that are impacting both the market and the products that are produced for Africa. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our guest today, Raymond Chimandamba. You can follow Raymond on LinkedIn, where he is sharing insights on the Africa market from both the absorbent hygiene and other sectors. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.